Swing and a drive. Right field and deep. Back goes Aquino. It's got a chance. Gone. Get out the tape measure. Long gone. Fly the W. Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley Jean. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast, season two, episode 75. RIP Cubs 2023. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and most importantly, subscribe to the podcast. Follow the socials. Fly the W670 on Twitter, Instagram, fly the W on Facebook. Of course, you can email us at fly the W670 at gmail.com. Crowley, I'd ask you how you're doing, but uh, I can only imagine how you're doing. The uh, season has come to an end, and the Cubs are not playing meaningful baseball beyond uh, October 1st. The worst part is, is this morning I checked, and uh, the postseason tickets were still in my uh, phone. Ah, <laughs> so just, just to kind of tease me, it's like, here are the tickets you're not going to use. So, right. A little salt in the wounds, eh? You know, it, it's hard, Dustin. I mean, I don't have to tell you, you know, how much of ourselves we put into this team. You know, it's, it, it's, you know, you and I are doing podcasts. We're on social media. You're talking about it every day. I'm talking about it every day. You know, you, you put your heart and soul in this and, and to be so close. I mean, 161 games before the Cubs were eliminated. Just mind blowing. Yeah, it is. They uh they they did more, and we're gonna get to it. I just quickly though, I, I think they did more than we could have expected. If you would have said that they would be where they finished record wise, I think you'd feel pretty good. I wonder, like, did you write this down? Did we write this down? I'm sure we could find it. Any idea how close either one of us were to uh what our original predictions were for this season? I had the Cubs winning 84 games. Well, you were pretty close. You were pretty close then. <laughs> yeah, I was you like, you couldn't close. just win one more game and make me look real smart. No, uh, yeah. Where, where was I? Any idea where I was? Any I clue? gotta double check, man. I yeah. just know I was 83 because I, I put it on every. I put 80. What did I say? 84 games. I thought 84 was about right, and I thought they'd have a chance at the wild card. So, yep. you know, it's um, it was it was like you said, it was close but no cigar, and uh, like you said, yeah, you know, it, it's um. To be able to sit there and say to yourself, hey, man, we played meaningful baseball all the way through, essentially the whole season of baseball. You know, when you when you think about, like, you know, how bad they've been the last couple of years, not saying I want it. You know, I mean, obviously that never should have happened, but it was a lot more fun to actually have baseball to care about than to not, you know? Yep, absolutely. That's the way you have to look at it. That's the only way it'll get you through now until uh, spring training. So let's, uh, let's recap it for everybody. Let's recap the Brewers series. Started Friday night, Kyle Hendricks on the hill. Yeah, Kyle Hendricks versus Colin Rea. Even though the Cubs wouldn't be mathematically eliminated until Saturday night, this was the game where the Cubs season ended, right? Uh, we got the news that we expected. Closer Edward Alzali coming off the IL, and he's able to help the bullpen, and Keegan Thompson was optioned. But in a series where the Cubs needed to sweep, the offense came out and just gave another listless performance. You know, They scored runs at least against Atlanta, but this was just bad on, on Friday night. Against Colin Rea, a guy who's been up and down to AAA all season, Cubs couldn't do a damn thing. Rea went 5.2 innings. He gave up no runs on two hits. Uh, through seven innings, Dustin, the Cubs only had four base runners. A Morel double in the third, a Seiya single in the fifth, Talkman single in the sixth, and a Seiya Suzuki walk in the seventh. So seven innings, the Cubs do nothing, right? Yeah. And then Hendricks took the mound for what could be the last time in a Cubs uni. Wasn't the greatest outing for Kyle as he's able to get 
he wasn't able to go deep into the game and there was a lot of traffic on the bases just to show how bad the Cubs defensive yips have gotten lately. Even the sure-handed Kyle Hendricks misplayed a ball in the third, but at least it didn't cost him a run. He ran into a little trouble in the fourth, but was able to wig out of it, wiggle out of it, but not so lucky in the fifth. Victor Garattini, whose goal is to punish the Cubs every time <laughs> he faces them for trading them, leads off the inning with a single. Bryce Terang would hit a swinging bunt to put two on, and Hendricks walked Yelich to load the bases with no outs. Uh, with William Contreras up to bat, Hendricks got him to hit one up the middle. Looked like a surefire double play, but Nico bobbled it. They were only able to get one out at second. Victor Caratini scored. The Brewers were up one nothing, but uh, you know that run was going to score anyway. But that would have been two outs, right? Right. And so you know it, it just ended up costing you a, at least one run because the next batter, Carlos Santana, made the Cubs pay by hitting a triple, and the Cubs were now down three nothing. That would be it for Hendricks. Julian Merriweather would come into the game to finish the inning. Final numbers on Kyle were 4.1 innings. He gave up five hits, three runs, three walks, and two Ks. So Really, uh, uh, really early to be going to um, Julian Merriweather. You can tell how much the Cubs really were trying to stay in this one. Yeah, this, you know, like I said, this, this was really it for these guys. And so, you know, I, I thought that, you know, Ross did go early, but it was absolutely 100% necessary. And so after finishing five innings of shutout ball, Bryce Wilson came in to replace Colin Ray. He pitched one inning of shutout ball, but in the seventh, the Brewers were done playing. They figured game's over. We don't care anymore. They're not going to put any of their top relievers in. The first guy out in the eighth, Clayton Andrew, in the, in the seventh, Clayton Andrews is out there. He has been in the minor leagues all season. He pitched in two games in July before being sent back to the minors. He pitched on September 5th and was immediately optioned. And then he came out of the and he came into this game with an ERA, Dustin, of 27. <laughs> he worked, you know, like the, the Brewers are like, we don't care anymore. Do whatever you got to do. He works a scoreless inning. He strikes out happy, gets Bellinger to fly out. He walks in and gets Dansby to ground out. He comes back out in the eighth, and Jaime Candelario greets him with a home run to make it three to one. The next batter, Christopher Morell, triples, and Jan Gomes grounds out to score Morell and make it three two. You're now back at the top of the order, Dustin. You got one out. You're down one run against a guy with an ERA of 27. But Jan, but uh, with only one out, Mike Talkman would strike out. And then David Rods would pinch hit Miles Mastroboni, who came into the game when Nico fouled the pitch off his kneecap. Uh, Patrick Wisdom came in. Uh, Craig Council is going to counter with a 30-year-old minor leaguer making his MLB <laughs> debut, Caleb Boozley. With Boozley on the mound, he, he he is so unknown that they didn't even have a picture from him on his MLB page. It's just a silhouette. But uh, we, we with Caleb Boozley on the mound, Wisdom would strike out to end the inning. But wait, Craig Council would roll the dice with Boozley again with a one-run lead. I couldn't believe the, that. I couldn't believe he was bringing him back out. Right. He one one-run lead in the ninth, and he brings him back out. Ian Happ greets him with a leadoff home run. We got a tie game. No outs. But uh, Boozley would then get Bellinger to ground out, struck out Seiya Suzuki and Dansby. And so we are going into extras, right? But before that, in the bottom of the ninth, Ross hands the ball to Mark Leiter, who can no longer throw his out pitch, the split finger. He gives up a single to Victor Caratini before getting Bryce Terang to ground into a double play. Uh, he would walk Christian Yelich. Ross had seen enough. The ball... Dustin, I'm watching, and it is just floating up there like a like a little frisbee, and I'm waiting for one of these guys to pound it. It looked like a position pitcher playing uh, yeah. pitching. You know what I mean? It was just yeah. awful. 
And so Jose Quas would come in and get William Contreras to ground out to go into extra innings. Council says, why not? Boozley one more time. Swanson starts at second. Heimer Candelario would line out. Christopher Morell would walk. And Dansby would advance to third on a wild pitch. So you have runners at first and third, one out. Jan Gomes, who struggled all game, struck out. Morell would steal second. You now have runners at second and third with two outs. And Council calls on Boozley to intentionally walk Mike Talkman to load the bases to get to Patrick Wisdom. That's what Council thinks of Wisdom. Smart move. Wisdom would strike out swinging. The Cubs would then be, uh, you know, going to the bottom of the 10th with Contreras on second. They would pinch run for him. Carlos Santana would double it off. The Cubs would lose 4-3 to three in the 10th. Caleb Boozley gets the win. Dustin, the Cubs offense scored three runs on six hits. They would go 0 for 6 with runners in scoring position and leave six men on base. Horner, Bellinger, Swanson, Gomes, half your lineup, all hitless. Yeah, you're not going to win many games when that happens. It was almost like the Brewers were saying, go ahead and win this one. Go yeah. ahead. We, 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 we don't we're, care. We're working, we're working on things here. We're working on some things. We were not giving you any of our relievers. So those are the situations when you get really frustrated, right? Because they were they were trying. They were trying to let you win that game. And you they put still one, couldn't win that game. They put in one good pitcher. They had Colin Rea, like I said, who's a swing man. And then they had Bryce Wilson, who normally comes into the game. And then after that, like you said, they're, you know, okay, we don't care anymore. We'll just put in Boozley and... You know, we'll we'll put in this other guy with an ERA of 27. You know, it, it's just right. uh, Clayton Andrews. Like, seriously, they didn't care, and you still couldn't win. Right. So at this point now, the, uh, the uh, Marlins are taking care of their own business down in Pittsburgh. So well, they the, lost uh, Friday. So you were still Friday, in it. Saturday. So you're still, you're still technically in it. But the, the doomsday number, Crowley, at this point is one, right? So any combination of a Marlin win or a Cubs loss on Saturday would doom them. And they were kind of going games basically got started right around the same time Saturday. Right. Jordan Wicks taking on Eric Lauer. Um, after having a 92% chance after sweeping the giants on September 6th, <laughs> oh, the on. Cubs had a come 2% on. chance and in desperate need of a miracle. Like you said, you needed the Marlins to lose there too, the Cubs to win too. And the, and the Marlins to lose that extra inning game where they would, that would have been, that would have been today. Right. It would have been a half an inning today. The Cubs jumped on Eric Lauer early. Christopher Morell leadoff home run. Say a happened, Swanson would walk, and then Jan Gomes would hit a grand slam to put the Cubs up 5 nothing. Where Candelario, was this a night ago? Where was this a night ago? <laughs> not there, unfortunately. Heimer Candelario would strike out before Wisdom hit a solo home run. Again, where was that the night before? Um, and they're up 6 nothing after one inning. Unfortunately, Jordan Wicks had the worst start of his major league career. He would load the bases, although Patrick Wisdom made an error on a missed catch that would have retired Carla as Santana. So bases loaded, no outs. Willie Adam is doubled, and the Brewers trailed 6-2. Tyrone Taylors would ground out to score Santana, and the Brewers had cut their lead in half to 6-3. After the Cubs did nothing in their half of the second, Andrew Monasterio singled and Blake Perkins homered to make it a 6-5 game. A few batters later, Carlos Santana, Carlos Santana homered, and the game was tied. Only took two innings, Dustin, for the Cubs to piss away a 6 nothing. lead. I, that was amazing. A absolutely, <laughs> absolutely amazing. I thought, all right, here we go. You know, statement game. Okay, we're not done until, you know, until everybody says we're done. And, boy, Jordan Wicks was out already. Right. He wasn't able to make it out of the second. He went 1.2 innings, gave up six runs on six hits, two Ks, and one walk. 
The Cubs retook the lead in the fourth. Alexander Canario was found on the side of a milk carton. He singled and Christopher Morell doubled, but a bad send by Willie Harris as the Brewers executed the cutoff and relay to perfection, and Canario was easily out at the plate. Saya would single to put runners at the corners, and Ian Happ would hit an RBI single to make it 7-6. Cody Bellinger would double the score, Happ, and make it 8-6 and put runners at second and third with one out. But Dansby hit one to third, and Ian Happ was gunned down at home plate, and Jan Gomes lined out to end the threat. And we saw this all throughout the Atlanta series and, and pretty much this whole month where you just had a bunch of runners on base and you couldn't get the big hit. Right. Um, the Cubs would add another run in the fifth when uh, Heimer Candelario doubled. Wisdom would strike out, but Canario would triple the score. Candelario and the Cubs led by a score of 9-6. to six. Runner on third, one out. Morel strikes out and Suzuki flies out uh, to end that threat. And then the Cubs would score one more time when Ian Happ would double to lead off the next inning. Cody Bellinger and Dansby would walk to load the bases with no outs. Jan Gomes would ground out to score Happ and make it 10-6. to six. But with runners at second and third and one out, uh, Candelario would strike out and Patrick Wisdom would fly out. Bases loaded, no outs. He scored only one run. That was three innings in a row, Dustin, where the Cubs had a runner at third and one out and could not score the runner. Unreal. Yeah, I mean, and again, you know, the Cubs scored a ton of runs this year, ton of runs, but sometimes they scored runs when they didn't need to instead of scoring runs when they did need to. It's not about scoring, it's about when you score. Right. And and the bullpen did well after Wick struggled. He should um you know, the the bullpen shut down the Brewers for six and a third innings. Wesniski went 1.2. Assad looked really good in his 1.2 innings, and Tyone went four innings to keep the Brewers off the board. The Cubs would win this one 10 to six. The offense scored 10 runs on 13 hits, but went five for five with 15 with runners in scoring position. They left but how about that on- though? Tyone coming out of the bullpen. First time in his career. Right. You know, unbelievable. So just showing showing how much that that particular game meant to the Cubs. Exactly. Unfortunately, it didn't matter because in the top of the eighth, with the Cubs batting, the Marlins beat the Pirates 73, officially eliminating the Cubs from playoff contention. Uh, you know, and then that just takes us to game three, which was just a throwaway game. Uh, Drew Smiley oh, boy, versus Adrian what, Howard. What was that a throwaway game? Wow. That's <laughs> kind of like a spring. It was almost spring training-ish, right? Yeah. Yeah, the Cubs made a flurry of moves, and we knew this was going to happen if this was the case. Steele was done. He wasn't starting. Drew Smiley would get the ball. Hayden Wesniski and Jordan Wicks were optioned, and Shane Green and Tyler Duffy were called up. Fulmer and Magical were put on the 60-day IL to make room for Green and Duffy on the 40-man. Nico went on the 10-day IL. Jared Young came up. So Ross's lineup was filled with rookies and guys that probably won't be on the team next year. PCA led off. Morell at short. Candelario, DH. Canario and right. Talkman in left, Wisdom at third, Young at first, Amaya catching, Master Boney at second. And you know what, Dustin? It, it started out somewhat promising, but... Uh, somewhat, somewhat. Short-lived. For, yeah, not for Drew Smiley. He gets the start, and it went as well as most of his starts did after the month of May. Uh, he gave up a walk and a single to the first two batters. Got Carlos Santana to pop out, but Mark Hain a single to put the Brewers up one nothing. He walked Willie Adamas to load the bases and then walked in a run to make it two to nothing. Ross had seen enough. Smiley recorded one out, gave up three runs on two hits and three walks with no strikeouts. Luke Little came into the game and gave up a sack fly. about the side of a milk carton, Crowley? <laughs> but he was able to get out of the inning with the Cubs down, you know, three nothing only. Uh, Daniel Palencia pitched two innings, a shutout ball. Tyler Duffy pitched two innings, gave up a solo home run. 
and Shane Green get pitched two innings of shutout ball. The Cubs were able to load the bases at, in the beginning of the game, the first inning with two outs against Adrian Hauser, but Hauser struck out Wisdom to end the threat, and that was the only threat the Cubs offense had all game. Wisdom had a two-out single in the fourth, PCA with a two-out walk and a stolen base in the fifth. Mike Talkman had a two-out double in the sixth, and Morrell with a two-out single in the eighth. After the first inning, Dustin, the Cubs would never have two runners on base in the same inning the rest of the game and were shut out. Their season ended with a guy named Jansen Junk striking out the side. <laughs> the Cubs offense scored zero runs on five hits, went 0 for 4 with runners in scoring position, and left seven men on base. In the end, Dustin, the team just collapsed. They were 10 games under 500, but fought back to 12 games over 500. An amazing swing. But all that fight left them out of gas when it came to the final month of the season. The bullpen was trash. The offense looked tired. And the defense was uncharacteristically bad. They actually took some uh, audio of the players after that big loss on Friday and, and I mean, after Saturday when they were officially eliminated and here was a little clip of what some of the guys had to say. We didn't, we didn't play our best ball towards the end. Um, we one of the hottest teams in the middle of the year. We gave it our all. We gave it a chance to, to be in that situation. We, we climbed from a big hole in the beginning of the year. So we, we got to take the silver lining and understand that it was a there's a lot of positives that go into this year, but it, it's for sure going to be a, a little bit of a sour note right now, you know, knowing that our, our hopes are done. We all wanted and expected to be in the postseason. That's what we strive for in spring training. Um, you know, we, we had we thought we had the group. We did. We uh, and we had a great team. You know, we were playing unbelievable baseball in July to even put us in this situation. You know, we fought till the very end. Um, obviously, the last few weeks was was more on the frustrating side than any of us uh, wanted to be. They know I enjoyed it. Um, I think that they enjoyed it as well. Um, you know, just thankful for the opportunity. Um, was glad I had the opportunity to go in January once I signed and kind of get rolling with these guys and you know the hitting coaches and getting familiar with everyone so um it was it was successful you know i was just thinking this would be a really fun team to to compete with in the playoffs and pop champagne with this is a great group um probably the most challenging year in my career and like just showing up every day was so much fun here when you're out of it in september you know there's less pressure maybe you can rest guys so i think it's probably a lesson throughout the entire roster like condition as well as you can and um you know stay locked in for every single game all the everyday guys i guarantee feel like there was several moments that we individually could have you know swung things one way or another with a a big hit or a big play in any of those series that we lost and and that part really does stick with you instincts i feel really strong about our relationships as people and just how consistent um, the group was i think it, it makes playing every day so much easier when you have guys beside you that don't complain, show up, bring their best every day regardless, and it kind of just becomes the standard, and I think that's going to be true here for, for a really long time. So in that group there, you had Jan Gomes, you had uh, Cody Bellinger, you had Jamison Tyone and Nico Horner, and, and you could hear, man, they did. They did not want this group to be sold. They did not want it to be broken up, and they fought like hell to stay together and to keep this team together with the, with the hopes they believed to make the playoffs. We all did. And, and to fall short is hard, man. And, 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 you know, you don't know what next year holds, but you hope that they learned some lessons from it and, and got some valuable experience. And, 
And like I said, there was a lot of things that we, we will definitely have plenty of time in the off season to do a real deep autopsy here, but uh, you know, there's a lot of frustration and those guys wanted to win badly. Yes, they did. They definitely wanted to win badly. Um, I, I think this was a good thing, right? I think what this, this, this should, this should work out. This should propel them to next year. There was some really valuable wins and there were some really valuable losses. So um, I, I have good, I have good feelings about how things went overall. I don't have good feelings about how it ended, but if you sit back and you look at it in totality, I think this was a, a very helpful season. Now, if, as we go through things and as we pick them apart slowly, but surely, and it doesn't pan out, then it'll be really disappointing that they didn't get here. But I think this is a building block, Crowley. I, I was listening to you guys on the Mully and Haw show in the morning, as I always do on 670, the score. And I, I think it was you who said that it's a building block if, if they're successful next year. If not, right. it and makes it more of a tragedy. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. But if it ends up working out and they and they not only make it, but they're 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 in the position where they're setting up their rotation, where they're giving guys off you know, the last couple of the last couple of series, things like that. They're getting things lined up. Guys like guys like PCA have figured out how to run the bases. The bullpen is not completely burned out. Because again, part of the reason they were able to get to this point is because the bullpen was so good, but they used the heck out of them. I mean, they didn't have somebody to replace Michael Fulmer. They didn't have somebody to replace Alzale when those two guys went down relatively the same amount of time. So there's a lot of things to work on. But again, I get that you're upset right this second, but sit back, relax, and let's enjoy the offseason and let's see what happens. Okay. Let's see what happens before we blow our tops because I know Crowley, you and I will be front and center ready to blow our tops, but we do owe this group an opportunity to uh, improve and grow. This is the Fly the W670 podcast. It's season two. It's episode 75. Rest in peace, Cubs 2023. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. In this segment, we hear the second half of Crawley's interview with Smokies announcer Mick Gillespie talking about the Southern League Championship Series. As the Smokies clinched that one five to one, you know, the Pensacola Wahoo, uh, Blue Wahoos beat the Montgomery Biscuits to advance to the finals. So you get a rematch of, of last year's championship. How badly do you think the team wanted to face the Blue Wahoos? I know there's some guys that weren't there the year before, but obviously, you know, there were some players and then you guys that work for the Smokies. I mean, you, you had to have been kind of itching to get to this matchup. Well, I guess if you we would have lost, I, I would have rather played the biscuits. But the, but the truth <laughs> is, is both of those teams have given us trouble. Um, you know, we, we for whatever reason we have historically struggled against Montgomery, which is the Tampa Bay Double uh, A club. And then we, you know, we I mentioned before, I highlighted we lost a lot of championships, three of them, to um, Jacksonville and now Pensacola, the the Marlins Double A affiliate, and. You want to beat the best. You know, it means a lot more when you, you, you know, they're the defending champs. You know, they won last year and, and they had a lot of their team back. We had an entirely different roster, uh, except for a few people here and there. But I mean, for the most part, like all the position players were different. M- all the starting pitching for the most part was different in the bullpen. There was some guys in the bullpen uh, like Blake Whitney. And, you know, you mentioned um, Andy Weber, who was injured last year for part of the season. And, but it was great. You know, it, it just was 
beating them meant a lot, you know, just because if you're going to pick the opponent, you, you kind of want to beat the people that beat you. You want them to experience that same disappointment. So we both got one. They got last year and we got this year. <laughs> Next year will be the rubber match. And I hope we win that one too, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, you know, Brandon Birdsell, he was the fifth round draft, draft pick from last year. He gets the ball for game one in Tennessee. Free beer night again because why, why, why mess with something, right? You don't want to yeah. jinx anything. So you keep that going. He goes five innings. He gives up one run. If he hadn't given up that run in the third, well, that would have been a lot of drinking that night because, you know, they didn't score it really, you know, what, the whole – pretty much the whole rest of the game. Yeah. Yeah, it was a great game. I, I'll tell you what I loved is, is that the Smokies just smashed them. You know, that, it was like an eight to one game. At you know, by the time the le- latter innings, I call them the business end innings. You know, the eighth and the ninth came around, but he was great. You know, and and what happened is is in, in these playoffs, and you see it in the big leagues too, is that you pitch your ace first, and then your second guy second, and sometimes you may pitch the. The, you know, it depending on the rest and, you know, and all that stuff, maybe it's reversed or whatever. But you, when you, we both swept, they, they swept and we swept. So we, we both started the game, the guy that was scheduled for game three. Right. And so that was bird cell for us and fitterer for them. And bird cell just has always thrown strikes, you know, and he, his trouble comes from giving up home runs and hits, you know, because he throws so many so many strikes but he did a really good job of first time around he gets a lot of outs because they're you know you're kind of just feeling them out you're going to take some strikes well then when they started to adjust he started to adjust and he started to change what he was throwing you know instead of just a a get-ahead fastball and he started to mix it up so he had a great game and then the Smokies bats just pounded them and started with B.J. Murray Murray was a factor in every game that the Smokies played, whether it be, you know, yesterday's game or the game before that in the, in the field at the plate, taking pitches, he, he elevated his game. He showed me something, you know, like, I I don't know, you watch people play every day and you're trying to figure out like what makes someone a a good player and, and, you know, what their potential is. I think that what, what Murray has working for him is he's got this great eye and I think as the umpiring gets better and then eventually when we end up with automated strike zones, yeah. guys like him are going to do well because they don't, they're not forced to swing at pitches that aren't strikes. And, yeah. and then when he took a chance, he hit the ball hard. Right. And, and like you said, the offense just comes out. They score two in the first, one in the second, and then five in the third. You got an eight-to-one ball game after three. And, and, you know, not saying it's over, but that's a real – real difficult, you know, task to come back from. And, and, and every, the, what blew me away on this one, Mick, is nearly every hitter in that game had an RBI. You're talking B.J. Murray, Hayden McCreary, Pablo Aliendo, Ezekiel Pagan, Kevin Alcantara, Andy Weber. They all drove in runs. And Hayden McCreary is a guy that, I saw him in, uh, was he in Myrtle, Myrtle Beach? No, he wasn't in Myrtle Beach. He was in uh, South Bend. But, but tell me a little bit about Hayden from what you got to see from him. Well, when he showed up... Uh, in the beginning, you know, in the beginning of the season, he didn't break camp with us. Uh, we had uh, Bryce Ball, and and Bryce was struggling. And there were like all these different guys playing first base at the beginning of the year. It was weird. It was like a, you know, a merry-go-round over there. You know, where the year before it was Bryce Ball every day, and then this time it was like well, Bryce Ball, and then, you know, it could be 
uh, Nelson Maldonado. It could be uh, Miguel Amaya. I mean, it was just all these different guys playing first. And, and you got the feeling that they didn't really they, – they weren't in love with Ball, who they ended up releasing. And then McGarry shows up, and he's a catcher. But they're going to play him at first base. And he was the worst defensive first baseman I've ever seen. <laughs> but and at first I didn't know he was a catcher. I just I'm watching him play first base and I'm like, wow, this is terrible, you know. <laughs> like, what are we doing here? But then he gets to the plate and and he's just okay. You're like, all right, yeah. I mean, the guy when he makes contact, he just kills it. You know, he's got this long, this this long reach and um, you know, the, the definitely an elevated swing and he can do a lot of damage. But the guy was in college last year, like a small college, too. It wasn't like he's playing at, you know, major division one, you know, like Michigan or, you know, uh, Indiana or something like that. I mean, he's playing in this little school in Colorado. And but you saw it like he was like the, the Ted Williams of that of that league. Right. And so it as the season progressed, he got a lot better at first. Still got a lot of work to do. And I hope he puts the work in because. The bat is the bat's going to play. And so um, he's just, you know, he hits the ball with such, uh, you know, with such momentum that it just does things for him. You know, and that's what the I mean, look, the analytics guys are going to love him, you know, because the exit velo, you know, and, and basically what that means when you hear exit velo is just the harder the balls hit the more difficult it is to play because you, you it's harder to fi- figure out what's the ball's going to do, you know. Right. So if it hits the ground, you know, it may go this way or it may go this way, but your reaction times cut back because you don't have enough time to think about it. So that's, that's kind of his superpower. And, um, you know, he was, he, and he played all the time. Like they, 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 they hardly took him out of the lineup. And, um, and I think that's good. I, th- I, I don't, I don't know that the Smokies are the team that they were without him. I, he's really important. An under the radar kind of guy, you know what I mean? He's not mm-hmm. the big name that everybody yeah. thinks of when you're thinking of all the all the all the uh, top prospects in Tennessee. Yeah, and 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 winning that big game one. Now you got game two. You have a chance to win the championship in Pensacola, and there's no doubt who's getting the ball on this. That it's going to be Cade Horton, and 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 man, he just did not disappoint yesterday, Mick. We're coming. We win game one, and we're we, we, you get a day off to travel, and you need the day off, and and. We had heard that because it's an all-turf field, last time we were there, Walker Powell like slipped on the turf and, and hurt his leg or his ankle or something. So I was told, hey, there's a chance if it rains that Kate Horton's not going to pitch. Oh. And I just kept thinking like, well, if I'm the Cubs, I get that, right? I get that. But as a Smokies broadcaster that's been through all this stuff i'm like okay what are we gonna do here so um it was just our year you know like yesterday i live uh ironically i live 45 minutes from pensacola and so this is for me this is really a home game i just i I work in tennessee but i live here and um i get a text from my wife and she's like it's this is like i don't know game starts at six central this is like 5.30. It's pouring. It's pouring right now. So I get the I look on the phone and I'm like, you know, if it rains, they're going to pull this guy. And all, you know, all the Cubs people are there too, you know? Yeah. So, so it wasn't like, um, you know, they're going to sneak him out there. 
And so I'm like, if if this if it rains and he can't pitch, what what are we gonna do? You know? And um, but that didn't happen, you know. So that so thankful that that didn't happen. And this is this is working out the way it's supposed to. <laughs> yeah, because you know they, they you know Smokey struck first, but then the Blue Wahoos right you know come right back and answer. But you know you talked about B.J. Murray earlier. He hits a three-run homer, and that puts it up four-one. And then the route begins. You know, one in the fifth, four in the sixth, one in the seventh, and. You know, when you when I'm watching again that last call, we heard that at the beginning, at the top of the interview, and all of a sudden that ball comes because it got a little bit dicey. There's some bases loaded, you know, towards the end, even mm-hmm. though it was a big lead. Like you said, as a Cub fan, you're never happy until that final out is there. Uh, and all of a sudden, Matt Shaw just made that catch. It was just, it was such a relief, and to see everybody kind of pouring out of the field, that was just absolutely incredible. It felt like a a, a, a title fight. And the Smokies, this year's edition of the Smokies, were a young, up-and-coming, talented team. A lot of talent, a lot of big prospects, and, and, and no one that was there last year. And their team was experienced. You know, they didn't have a lot of prospects, but they had a lot of guys that can play. Um, they, had, they had guys, you know, like their shortstop and hardly ever made mistakes, and he made an error in the game. They, you know, they – the Smokies got ahead of them and they started to feel that pressure and, and, and they couldn't play with it. And, and that was the same exact thing that happened to the Smokies last year. The Smokies fell behind in game three and they just started making a bevy of mistakes. And, and that's first off, that's why the minor leagues are so important because if you want to win at the big league level, having gone through the experience of losing last year and then having gone through the experience of winning this year is going to help both sets of those guys. But this year's team, uh, I heard Kevin Graber say this last night. He said everyone on the roster was wanting to win. He said, and that's, you know, that's him. That's me right there. And, and, and he's addressing, that's exactly when he said that he's like, he was saying that as I was filming, I was brought, like we were broadcasting. I was just holding that mic so that our fans could hear it. But um, he, he had a team of guys that were all pulling in the same direction. And the, the game felt like this, this title fight, you know, the the young up and coming boxer against the you know the veteran champion that knows how to box and and the, and you know we're more big punchers and 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 but we just got him and and that entire game after Murray hit the home run it just felt like the Smokies kept like taking big swings and getting close to a knockout close to a knockout and then they had that four run sixth and and they were done and even though you still worry about it. And I was relieved when it was finally over. It was, it was really over when Murray <laughs> hit that home run. You know, they, they weren't, Kevin Graber wasn't going to blow that game and neither were those guys. They weren't going to let it happen. They just, they, they wanted to win this thing so bad. And then there's one other thing that I got to tell you about. It's a, it's a people game. And, and I, I have said this, and I hope that your listeners will check out uh, the Cubs baseball channel and my, my um, uh, scout podcast with um, former Cubs scouting director Tim Wilkin. Because we did, well, the reason we, I started you know, my channel and, and, and really that particular show is kind of like where we started. We do other stuff now. I love talking Cubs baseball just like you do. I, I can't wait to have you on my channel. Uh, but because we have 
fallen so in love at the organizational level with analytics that we forget that scouting is part of this. And, and, and we have diminished the role of scouting so much and, and we rely too much on analytics, I feel like. And a great example of that has nothing to do with anything that analytics or anything else really could factor in. But we had a guy, we had a guy that has worked at our stadium for years and um, he's definitely got a disability. I, I don't know what it is, but he's a great guy and he shows up for work every day and he looks like the guy named Cheddar Bob off of the Eminem movie. And that's his nickname. And, and so I, I know him because he will come in. If I see him, it's like, Hey Mick, I love the broadcast. I listen every time I'm on my smoke break, you know, <laughs> and he, you know, and, and that's about all he says, but he's just, you just get this positive energy. So, um, so he's a little guy, he's a little cheddar Bob guy and uh, they didn't have enough bat boys. And so our clubhouse manager, a guy named Detrell, was like, Hey, let's just get cheddar Bob to, to be the emergency bat boy. Right. And that was 10 games ago. <laughs> and we won every single game. He went on the road with us to Chattanooga. He went on the road with us to Pensacola. The guys made him get up and give a speech, which was very short. Uh, <laughs> both spots, they, they loved him. And, and I think <laughs> you remember Cheddar Bob. But my point is that it, it, that's part of like the team, the fun Joe Madden was the greatest at creating that. And, and we forget that sometimes too, you know, that it's, it's a, it's a human game. Creating chemistry with each other yeah. and, and that, that kind of stuff. And, and, you know, you know, Mick, when I, I, when they finally won that, you know, I, I thought of you and this is picture right here is you holding the trophy. You've <laughs> been the lead broadcaster since 2007 for the Tennessee Smokies. You've won broadcaster of the year before. But, you know, after a while, you know, we all, when we're younger, think we're going to see championships galore and all that stuff. But, it, you know, as you and I kind of get a little bit older, you start, you know, especially when I remember with the Cubs, you know, I'm starting like, am I going to see a World Series in my lifetime? And so for you, you know, I'm sure it was a dream to be able to call a, a, a Smokies championship and to hold that trophy. And, and, and as, at any point, like, were you, did you have a chance to kind of just reflect over your career and that moment and, and, and think about how much that meant to you and I'm sure your family and everybody else? Well, I got out there. Uh, They're like, hey, let's get a picture of the front office because I, I, I had to get back up to finish the postgame show. And, um, and they handed it to me. And, and um, my goal every year was just to win the broadcast. To, to, to have a broadcast where people are like, man, I, I got to listen. I can't get out of the car. I love the story you told about this or, or what that meant. And you want to, you, you, you want to um, think that that means everything. And it does mean a lot of it, right? Uh, you know, you tune, tune us in. If, if, we're, if our broadcast is calling, you know, the same players that are in Atlanta or Cincinnati or Chicago or, you know, wherever, we're just as good as anybody. The problem is, is that our best player, Pete Crow Armstrong, is on the way to AAA, and then he's in the big leagues, right? So, so to kind of answer your question, when you get to 
the these moments, right? It's about the fans. It's their team. And you just don't want to F it up. You just don't want to mess it up for them. And that, to me, was what this was all about. It wasn't about a champagne celebration. Yeah, do I want a ring? Hell yeah. I mean, I'm happy. I'm getting one, right? <laughs> like, it's cool. But I've got a Cubs ring, too. So it's it's nothing will ever trump that. Um. I, I got a I got a, a, a Cubs ring story if you want it. It's like a personal story, but the 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 sometimes it's weird how this stuff kind of it, it's such a part of who you are as a person and your DNA. Um, wh- what it means to you to be around it, to be around great pl- players and people, and um, you know I, I got to take tip my cat to Jared Banner to give us the guys to win this thing this year. Um, you know, hung out with with them after the game. Uh, I, I mean, I, I'm just so happy, right? But I'm happy for all of our fans. We have the best fans. You know, it's like it's like I call it Wrigley Field, the friendly confines south, you know, Smoky Stadium. And then eventually we have a new one here coming up. But um, And then it happens, and it's like, okay, you're defined by those moments, like as a broadcaster, to nail those. So, about, I don't know, about the eighth inning, I'm like, what the hell am I going to say? You know, like, what am I going to say here? Right. Because I, the there's a lot more to it than just, hey, the team won. You know, you get these opportunities and you just want to make sure that they they turn out the way that when the players listen to it, the fans listen to it. They're like, hey, this this really sounds like that. And I was trying to just like the nickname for the team, by the way, was the Chokies. Mm. I mean, we were the Chokies. You know, just like when I saw Tom Ricketts after the Cubs won the World Series, I'm not going to tell you exactly what he said, but it had something to do with not being the lovable losers anymore. And I, and I, you know, I, I, I think Tom's great. I love him, you know, and I, I loved it when I saw him and he said that, you know, because I, I, I get it. Been a Cubs fan, you know, the Chokies, that's the worst nickname that was true up until yesterday ever. So, um, the people that have been around for a long time, the fans and stuff, they're texting me, you know, our, our public address announcer was, uh, was there in 78. There's a handful of people that were, were there at Bill Meyer the last time they won. And, and that's it. I mean, it's been a long, long time. So that's what I was trying to do to get all of that into the call. Mick, my only hope, and I know that my timing's never good with this stuff, but I, you know, the Cubs always do the ring presentation in, in, in Mesa. So uh, just make sure you get a good base tan going, and I hope to see you there, and I hope to see you get that ring, and and I'm sure it's going to be a beauty. Yeah, well, our owner is a guy named Randy Boyd. He's the best, and Randy is the biggest Smokies fan, like literally the biggest Smokies fan. Like he loves the Smokies. He wanted to buy the team. The Haslam's, who owned the Browns, sold the team when they bought the Browns, and Randy got them, and it was like, a kid in the candy store. First thing he says to me is, I want to go have beers and I want you to tell me all about the team and let's just do this. You know, um, we are expecting a, a, a pretty cool ring. I'll just put it like that. Just because I think he's going to want a pretty cool ring. And I think we all want one too. So <laughs> I'm looking for, so, I mean, you know, it doesn't have to be as giant as some of those Cubs rings, but uh, I'm guessing that this one's going to be pretty cool. Well, Mick, I can't wait to see it. Thank you so much for your time. And congratulations to you, the organization, everyone from the owner on down to Cheddar Bob. 
it, it is a, it, it, there are, again, behind the scenes, there's a lot of people working to make this happen. And for everybody, you know, I hope, you know, 40, 48 years, it, the, the wait is over. You are no longer the Chokies. You are the champions and congratulations. Mitch. Yeah. Hey, and again, you know, I know that this is on in Chicago and, uh, you know, I just can't thank, you know, the, the Jed Hoyers and the Carter Hawkins and the, um, you know, and Jared Banners enough just for giving us the players, you know, to put those guys in to where we actually had like a legitimate rotation and we had a great bullpen and we had a lineup that just was kicking ass. Thank you guys. We appreciate it. Go Cubs. Go Cubs. Take care. All right, Crowley, great job with our guy, Mick Gillespie. This is Season 2, Episode 75 of the Cubs Fly the W670 Podcast. Rest in peace, Cubs 2023. Before we uh, move any farther, let's take a look at those final standings. Yep, this is how it's going to end up with the Cubs, with Milwaukee in first place, clinching 92-70. and 70. The Cubs, second place, 83-79. and 79. They were able to hold off the Reds, 82-80. and 80. Pittsburgh in fourth place uh, at 76 and 88. And look at the lowly Cardinals all alone in the basement, 71 and 91. How's that better organization working out for you, Wilson? 20 games under 500. Wow, 20 games. Well, when you talk about over and under 500, you know, the, the basic rule of thumb is be at least 10 games over at home and be about 500 on the road. And if you look at the Cubs this year, they were 45 and 36 at home, about nine games over 500, which is okay. I would have liked 10, but on the road, they were 38 and 42, four games under 500. So if you would have just played 500 ball on the road, then that would have, that's the difference between the postseason and not making it. But when we look here too, at the month by month, you know, when you talk about March and April, which, you know, one game in March, 14 and 13, a little bit over 500 may was a disaster at 10 and 18 and then in June, they're 14 and 11. And then we had some fun this summer, Dustin. 15 and 11 in July, 18 and 9 in August. But they finished 12 and 17 in October, September, October. So the run differential um, is something that you were kind of alluding to earlier, is that they had a plus 96 run differential. I mean, that 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 is a ridiculously high number that you have, because run differential is the amount of runs you score versus the amount of runs scored against you. And so obviously if you score more runs that are scored against you, you should be doing better. So their expected win loss record this year was actually 90 and 72. But like you said, there's a lot of games where they scored maybe 15, even 20 runs and other games where they couldn't score at all or left a ton of guys on base. And that came back to haunt them. Yep. Absolutely. Again, it's not how many runs you score. It definitely matters that you're scoring, but it's when you're scoring those runs. Yeah, absolutely. And and Dustin, you know, we finished the first segment up talking about how it's going to look next year, 2024. And there are four big questions that the Cubs face this off season. And, you know, I tried to put them in order of importance in my head. Um, I'm, I'm sure most Cub fans would probably agree with this right here, but, uh, you know, number one, first and foremost, Dustin has to be Cody Bellinger. Does absolutely. he resign with the yeah, Cubs? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, he had a great offensive year overall, but there was that one stat, that one glaring stat that somebody, maybe Jesse Rogers put it out there, but he and Dansby Swanson, not exactly great in the clutch. Um, you know, I think a lot of that would be something that was affected in September, especially for Bellinger. 
I'm just telling you, if if if, if there was a game on the line, I, I, Bellinger and Nico Horner were the two guys that I trusted most. Here's what uh, Cody Bellinger had to say, uh, at, talking about moving forward with the Cubs. For me, um, I tr- really try to enjoy uh, these last few weeks. Uh, obviously, there's no prediction of the future um, in, in anything, so. I really just enjoyed my time with this group of guys, um, with this coaching staff. Um, you know, playing for the Cubs organization in Wrigley Field was uh, was really special. And uh, you know, these last two weeks, I really just tried to embrace it, have fun with, the, with these group of guys, and um, obviously try and help this team win. So, Dustin, you know that Cub fans are already in, in a, a bad mental state right now. You heard when you hear Dan's or when you hear Cody there, it sounds like, you know, he's using past was, tense and everybody's freaking was, out. Was, was, two times, was in the same sentence. Really right. trying to enjoy my final times with these guys, right? Yeah. Right. It, so, it, yeah, it, you can read into it. You can read into it. But remember, <laughs> this guy, this guy's a baseball player, okay? He's a baseball player. That's what he does for a living. He's a baseball player. So, Let's not get crazy, but I understand the was sets off the alarms. Right. Yeah. I mean, when we talk about Bellinger, you know, the Cubs signed him to a one year, $17.5 million contract, and it couldn't have gone any better. He slashed 307, 356, 525. He was at the top of nearly every offensive category for the Cubs. He was second in runs, second in hits, third in doubles, tied for first in home runs with Morrell, first in RBIs, Dustin, average OBP slugging and OPS. He's a shoe-in for comeback player of the year. He's, I mean, I'm going to say a lock on that. And when you when you think about it, now his agent Scott Boris is is going to look to cash in. You know, can you, you know, this is this is an opportunity for you know. It looked there's people that question. I mean, he was he was basically just let go from the Dodgers. Have a good one. We're not going to tender you. And the Cubs jumped in on that. And you know, we were excited, but we had no idea that it was going to be this good. Can you imagine this Cubs team or this Cubs team going forward without Bellinger? No, I can't imagine what it would look like without Bellinger. Uh, and, and that's the big thing. If you take him out, he missed some time, right? He, he missed some time, and we saw things weren't very good when he wasn't around. Uh, he was definitely the, uh, the old straw that, uh, that stirs the drink, if you will. Yeah, and and you know the Cubs lucked out, and Mike Talkman, who who didn't even break with the team, you know, ended up having a really good summer. He came down to earth and fall, but that kind of helped to ease that a little bit. And then when you were able to put Bellinger and Talkman in together, you know, it it filled two holes in center field and first base that the Cubs had all year. But as far as Belly is concerned, Dustin, the the question you know we got all got to ask now is, how far would you be willing to go in terms of dollars and years? Right. That that's going to be the thing, and and. It, you got to, who's your competition, right? Who are you, who are you bidding against? Everybody's assuming that the Yankees are going to be highly interested in his services. And then the next part is, okay, if he was to leave, if he was to leave, how are you replacing him? You know, you're not, PCA is not the replacement right now. PCA is not nearly good enough on the offensive side of things. Um, the Candyman, not enough there to be a replacement for him. Uh, I could I could be okay with the Candyman coming back as long as you're also giving me Bellinger as well. Um, you know your guy Canario, it, it, Canario PCA combo. Does that fill the void? I don't think so. It's not good enough. And this division that the Cubs play in is winnable. And based on what the Cubs did last year, I think when you 
You take a guy like Cody Bellinger away, I think that makes the team take a step back. Again, now tell me that they got Shohei Otani, right? Tell me that they got Shohei Otani. I might have a different, might have a different tune. But based on what I'm seeing quickly looking around at the free agent market, as far as hitters, everyday players go, market's not that great. And you're taking a look at the idea of again, not not to diminish anything Bellinger has done, and maybe maybe what what's happened is right. Maybe he was injured. Maybe you know he got healthy and it worked with the Cubs. But we're we're talking about you know one season. Are you willing to go six years? You know three hundred million dollars, and then it risk all of a sudden he comes back down to earth. And, and now you're stuck with that contract. I mean, how long, God, I can only imagine, Dustin, how many phone calls you took about Jason Hayward for the length of that contract. So remember, when you're going all in, it's, once that happens, that guy's not coming out of the lineup. He's not sitting on the bench. So, you know, I, I hope they're 100% certain that this guy's for real if they're going to go for that big money because Scott Boris is not going for a hometown discount. Scott Boris is is going to want maximum dollars for his client. And you got two big sharks in the New York Yankees and the San Francisco Giants that were interested in him before he signed with the Cubs. After what happened to the Giants this year, you see they fired Gabe Kapler. You yeah. saw what happened there. You saw the Yankees, what a disaster they've had. Both teams are going to look to make a splash. Yeah, both will be competing with the Cubs. There's no doubt about that. So this is a topic, Crawley, that's not going away anytime soon. All right, does Marcus Stroman opt out of his contract? This was this was a audio clip that I picked, you know, right when all the talk about him opting out came out. This is what Stroman had to say about him and Belly. For me, um, I Cubs to trade Bellinger or to mm-hmm. trade you to, for the stretcher. How much do you hope your play and the team's play kind of solves that problem for the Cubs and they want you here for the stretch run? Yeah, I would love to be here long term, you know. Everyone's always putting this emphasis on oh, we need to play good in seven days, ten days, and then we could be buyers. But I actually don't believe in that. This, this this division's wide open. And then if you even look deeper than that, as an organization, why would you not want to be competitive for multiple years, year after year after year? Belly's a guy who changes your lineup. He's a guy who, why would you want him to get away? Why would you want a guy like myself who goes out there and gives you quality starts in a league that's incredibly hard to do? You know what I mean? It's incredibly hard to, to say, oh, we're going to get this production out of this young guy. Or we're going to get this. It's But it's hard. You know, and I know Belly wants to stay. You know, I mean, I know I would love to stay here, but a lot of that's out of our control. So at the end of the day, it's a business. So we have to treat it as such, even though we have this this love for this fan base and and this organization. It's hard to kind of separate it at times. But, yeah, um, I love being a Cub. I love everything about it. But, you know, someone who's been through it before, it's something you kind of have to distance yourself a bit because a lot of it's out of your control. And no matter how much I love it, I can wake up tomorrow and be gone. So. Um, it's tough, but love everything about the city of Chicago and, and, and this organization. And no matter what happens, I, I, I would hope that they would be in um, in the mix in the offseason uh, when it comes to my free agency. In December 2021, Stroman signs a three-year, $71 million contract with the Cubs. Stroman has a player option for the final year, which would be next year, which is triggered, would pay him a guaranteed $21 million. Dustin, through his first 16 starts this season, he logged a 228 ERA, a 1.029 whip across 98.2 innings. He was named to the All-Star game for the second time in his career, and he was in the Cy Young conversation. 
Um, you know, and that's where this clip was, was right around that time about, you know, was he going to opt out? Was he going to test free agency? You know, all of that stuff. But, but then the Cubs went to London and Stroman left that game with a blister injury from that date, from June 25th, Stroman posted a nine ERA, a 1.933 whip over 30 innings and, and pitched and seven starts. Stroman just had one quality start over the last two and a half months. And in four of his last seven starts during that time, he failed to make it through the fourth inning. He went on the IL in August and uh, for August and half of September before coming off the IL in, uh, in mid-September. And he, he had two appearances out of the pen when he came out on September 15th. Looked okay. Started September 23rd against the Rockies where he went three innings and September 28th against the Braves where he lasted two innings, giving up a combined seven runs and five innings of work. Any chance he opts out or throw staying with the Cubs? I can't imagine he would opt out. I don't think anybody wants him at that kind of a number. I think it would take him probably three years to make that kind of money somewhere else. So I would think that he's back with the Cubs for sure. I'm not sure that the Cubs want him back, especially at that price, but that's the uh, contract he signed. Yeah, and, and again, you know, we saw what he can do. And so the question ends up being is that if Stroman – you know, if, if it's his contract, if it's his walk year, you know, he's going to be motivated. I think he's always motivated, but again, you know how those guys, you know, you, when you're looking at another contract, he's going to try to give it 110%. But, you know, again, through my interactions with Stroh that I had the last couple of years, he's been here. He's a guy that works very hard on his body, on his mind. I mean, you know, when you think about being a five, eight pitcher, you know what I mean? And, and being able to make it in the major leagues, that guy does have a lot of heart. And, and, and if he could stay healthy, we saw what he could do. But that's going to be the issue is can he stay healthy? Speaking of staying healthy, do the Cubs exercise their team option for Kyle Hendricks? It's $16.5 million. Yeah, here's, here's what Hendo had to say after his last start. When you're in the thick of a race, that's where all your focus is going into. So it's going to take some time to sit back and reflect on it all. Uh, it happens quick, you know, when, when it ends that abruptly. So, yeah, sit down, reflect. I'm just happy that I was able to come back, be healthy again and get back to being myself. And so I know I got a lot of years ahead of me. I just love playing baseball, so that's where my focus is. Just keep going as long as I can. I have full trust, and whatever's, whatever's supposed to happen will happen. Obviously, I love it so much in Chicago. Been my whole career playing in front of the best fans in the world, going out in Wrigley Field, you know, all the time. So I wouldn't want to trade that for anything, and they're well aware of that. And that, like I said, if it works for both sides, that'd be great, obviously, to be back. So when Kyle Hendricks was put on the IL and got surgery on July 5th, 2022, a lot of us wondered it was at the end of Kyle's career, right? The guy's 33. He was coming off his tour season. He had he had very little margin for error, right? He has a fastball that barely touches 90 miles an hour. Um, and when he came back to make his first start on May 25th this season, it came at, at, at a very important time. Jamison Tyone was awful. Drew Smiley's struggles were just beginning, and Hayden Wesniski couldn't cut it. He finished, Dustin, with a 6-8 record with a 3.74 ERA, but he consistently gave them an opportunity to win his starts. I looked at the stats, Dustin. Kyle started 24 games for the Cubs. Out of those 24 games, he gave up more than three runs only four times. Okay? So, again, that's what you're going to get out of Kyle Hendricks. He's going to go 5-6. He's going to give up two, three runs, and that's what you got, and, there, and there's value in that. But yep. you know, he can Cubs stay have- healthy, make 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 twenty five starts as a fourth or fifth guy. I think it's worth it, right? And that's what the Cubs have to do. And so, you know, I know that there there's questions now because you know I think if Stroman opted out, there was no question that the Cubs would pick that up. 
But now you have, if you're looking at the rotation, we got, you know, uh, Justin Steele, right? You got you Steele got, you got, and you got Steele and, and uh, Tyone for sure, right? That, that's Steele what and really, Tyone for two, though. That's, that's two. For sure. That's locked in, right? Now you got a bunch of guys, right? You got Wicks, Assad, Wisniewski, you know, those are right. other guys. You got some younger guys, maybe. But again, this team's talking about actually playing in October. I don't think it's time for some of the names like Ben Brown and Kate Horton, at least not in the starting rotation. I mean, you're, you're talking about three spots are already pretty much taken in. It's just a question of the fourth and fifth spot. And so, you and know, are they, they buying they, a pitcher? You know, if they let Bellinger, if Bellinger walks out the door, they using the Bellinger money on a pitcher. Right. And, and like, you know, and like you mentioned some of the names you had Wicks, you had Assad, Wisniewski and Killian. Again, we saw them this season. And, and just because a guy struggles at first, doesn't mean that they're going to struggle next year. You don't know. That's the difficulty in kind of trying to assess these type of things because I remember Greg Maddox struggled when he first came up. I'm not comparing any of these guys to Greg Maddox. I'm just saying it happens. It's very it, it's very rare. It's much more rare that a guy comes up from the, the big leagues and lights the world on fire. You, it's, it's a big adjustment, and, some, and that's where you talk about having stronger one through three guys to be able to and absorb – you know, guys that have learning curves, you know what I mean? And yeah. I, I don't think you or I either, you know, we, you know, before the world baseball classic, I don't think either of us thought Javier Assad was going to do as well as he did. And, and look what he did. You never know. You never know. All right. Question number four, I understand why we're asking it, but I think it was answered yesterday on the marquee sports network is David Ross, the skipper in 24. Well, you know, uh, <laughs> Yeah, the, he. We're gonna have that interview with. We're gonna have that interview with uh, with uh, Tom uh, Ricketts on the next episode uh, coming out on Friday. But here's what Ross had to say after the season was over. Well, we didn't win enough ball games. I mean, like we can point fingers and blame. You know, I don't think it's just that's. Uh, we got to look inward and see where we got to improve. You know, it's it's on each one of us to grow um, this year. Um, it doesn't feel like it right now. There's a lot to be proud of um, from a lot of different guys and also the area to get better. we got to get better in so many areas. Um, so it's a great thing about a baseball season. We're going to have to come back next year and be tested all over again and have to improve on a lot of areas. But um, right now, just disappointment. I think we can all feel that. We can all, all soak that in, remember how that feels, um, use that this offseason to get better, continue to grow, uh, and come back next year um, and take another step forward. Yes, take another step forward. That's what I like to hear. Take another step forward. So as we talked about, the Cubs finished with a record of 83 and 79, their first winning season since 2020. That being said, on September 6th, after sweeping the Giants, the Cubs had a 92% chance to make the postseason and blew it. This is going to go down, Dustin, as one of the all-time great collapses in Cubs history. They played seven series after that Giants series and won only one against the Rockies. They went 7-15 and 15 in that stretch with three of those seven victories being against the lowly Rockies. So let's look at numbers. Ross and, and, and the Cubs agreed to a three-year contract extension prior to the 2022 season. So his deal runs through the conclusion of 2024 with a club option for 2025. So the Cubs are in no hurry. Like I said, they don't have to let him go. He's under contract, and then they have an option to keep him in 2025. But Dustin, I'll never forget when I heard that Ricky Renteria was fired after the 2014 season when we saw a lot of improvement uh, from that team. And the reason Ricky Renteria got fired was because an opportunity out of a total fluke in his contract 
Joel Madden became a free agent when uh, right. Andrew Friedman went over. I don't to see it. I don't see I don't see a Joe Madden out there. I mean, listen, uh, Craig Council's going to the Mets. Okay, Craig Council will be the Mets manager next year. There's no doubt in my mind. Craig Council will be the manager of the New York Mets next year. So, and I don't like that guy anyway. That's another story. You know what I like, Dustin? I like popping champagne. And all I see with Craig Council is that guy seems to have goggles on his face every September. So, Craig Timber, Craig Timber, I've heard all about it. Let me know when Craig Tober starts, okay? A lot lot of Craig Timber, Crowley. I don't know a lot about a Craig Tober. We'll see. You you know as much as I do. We'll see. the postseason is a crapshoot, and 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 again, imagine if 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 Craig Council had actual payroll to work with instead of using duct tape and and whatever else he can to well, keep things going. We're going to find out. We're going to find out when he's the manager of the Mets next year, Crowley. All right. Well, Gabe Kapler and Buck Showalter are a couple names that are out there. I mean, I, I think we could go we, Buck Showalter. Then then go ahead and get Girardi out of the marquee booth. Okay. Same same guy in my opinion, same type of guy. And Gabe Kapler, I mean, what's he going to do? Run Clark Street? I mean, he doesn't do anything for me. Well, the Cubs aren't making the postseason, but you know who is? A lot of other teams. And so we were going to take a look here, Dustin, and make our predictions since we can't predict the Cubs next series. So here we are right here. You want to go NL or are we just Are we just predicting the wild card round? Or are we just the wild card round. Nothing okay. more. Wild card round. All right. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm against, I don't want to be wrong. So I'm going to go with Craig Tember to move a little bit into Craig Tober. They, they will take care of the D-backs, even though I'm going to cheer for the D-backs. And I think the Phillies are going to squash the fish. Yeah, boy, I, I'm, I'm, I think the Phillies easily have it. I think that's going to be one heck of a series, Milwaukee versus Arizona. To me, it's a coin flip. Um, I hate to be a hypocrite, but yeah, I, I'll, 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 I'll go with Milwaukee kind of moving on. You better there. go with Milwaukee. <laughs> but, uh, you know, what, what about it on the AL side? Where we got uh, the Twins versus the Blue Jays. Who's he, who you got there? Uh, I, I, got, I got a friend that's a big Blue Jay fan up in uh, Ottawa, so I'll go, I'll go Blue Jays. Twins, you know, talk about a team that, like, backs in the, you know, the worst division in baseball by far, so – I'm going to go with the Blue Jays in that one. How about you? I'm I'm with you on the Blue Jays. That that AL Central's crap, and 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 the Twins just show they just don't play well against better teams. I think the Blue Jays easily move on. So, and then I'm just going to say that the Rangers are just going to outscore Tampa Bay. I, I think the Ra- I mean, I, I like Tampa Bay. I, you know, they're always that team with the you know duct tape and and minimal payroll. But I just think at the end of the day, I think the Rangers are going to outscore. But that I think that's one that'll be three game series. It'll be really tough. I, I think the Rangers move on and that is going, and, and, and I, I guess for me, I am I'm, I'm in the back of my head. I know it, it's a, it's not, it's a very big rivalry in the AL, but Texas and the blue Jays have some history. That would be fun. So I, I hope both of those teams advance, but I don't know if that's going to happen, but I think I, 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 I wanted to ask you, Dustin, this is the second year that we have the postseason like this. Are, are you kind of getting to like it or, Oh, yeah, I like it. Yeah. No, I, I like it because you get uh, you get more teams involved and it's not one and done. I mean, I don't mind the one and done if you're the team that wins the one. But if you're a team that wins the one and done and loses that done, if you're done after one. I think you want the best out of three. Yep. Let's let, I, I think I like it, too. And I think it was a fun postseason race, even though it didn't come out in the Cubs favor. Yeah, well, that's a wrap. Don't forget to listen, download, review and subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. Follow us on the socials, Facebook, 
Instagram, Twitter, the whole thing. Also, you can email us, flyw670 at gmail.com. You can also watch us on YouTube by subscribing to the 670 The Score YouTube channel. Crowley, for any of the listeners that get this bright and early tomorrow, uh, Jed Hoyer talking midday tomorrow. So when we get back at the end of the week, we'll be talking about what Jed had to say on Tuesday. Absolutely. And there's always going to be news breaking. And guess what? I don't care about the Bulls. I don't care about the Hawks. I don't care about the Bears. I live, eat, breathe Chicago Cubs. So trust me, this podcast is going to keep going throughout the offseason. We're here for all your breaking news and good stories and some great guests that are getting lined up. Go Cubs! It's all over.